Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? January 18th edition. Sean Pearson and Showdown Joe. Let's get rolling today, boys. <laughs> I should have saw it coming. <laughs> What's up, everybody? January 18th edition, Fightful MMA podcast. Sean Pearson. Uh, I'm obviously on the Sean Pearson show. We think uh, we made that clear at the end of the last show. Sean, are you excited because the Jays signed uh, Bautista again? Or, or like, what's with this excitement here? It's, it's like the last podcast. I don't give a fuck. Where, where's, where's Edwin? <laughs> Get me Edwin back, buddy. Oh, Cleveland. He went to Cleveland. That, people, these, I'm bitter about that, man. I, I'm okay with Bautista coming back, but... He has to eat a lot of crow. The way he talked when he, when, he, when he first, you know, was trying to negotiate with us, he's like, the Jays have got me at a discount. I'm not negotiating at all. Okay. Well, look what's happened now, buddy. Again, and I'm, he, he's great, but he just approached everything wrong at the very beginning, just sort of saying, I'm not negotiating. This is what I deserve. I'm like, listen, I, you're, you've been great. You're 36 years old. And father time catches us all. Ask BJ Penn, myself, anybody else. I want you on the team, but if you don't want to be here, you know, I was like, get out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah, you mentioned BJ Penn. We'll get to that in a second. But how much of it do you think was Bautista thought he could shop himself around the major leagues or, or and, and then the big leagues? And a lot of the players on the other teams are like, we don't want this guy here. I, I think obviously he thought his value in the market was uh, was a lot higher than it was. And, you know, to be fair to him, he had a bad year. And when I say a bad year, he was injured for most of the year. He was still a good player when he came back. But – he didn't have a healthy full year and that's tough. You know what I mean? Like you're 36 years old. You weren't healthy in your last year, your contract year. And you went to the free market and the, the free agency market, even for all the, the sluggers wasn't as fruitful as any of them thought it was going to be. Even Edwin, you know, he thought he was going to get a lot more. And if the Jays weren't so quick to, to sign somebody else, there probably would have been a spot back on the Jays for him as well. Yeah, I think there. I mean, I'm not going to say it was an ego play by uh, by the Jays not signing in Canarsion right away, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, what, what we're talking about now: mixed martial arts, uh, aging fighters, BJ Penn. Oh, well, time uh, out. I'm out. We yeah. have a mixed martial arts. You saw that Batista get knocked knocked pretty much on his ass, you know, in that one fight. He's got a jaw, man. He took a good punch there. He was he was lights out standing up, but he took a nice <laughs> punch. 
That, that was the excitement for last year. That, that the punch at second base was pretty exciting for everybody, you know. Well, what was the saying that they had in the stands? I'd rather get punched in May than knocked out in October? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was gangster. That, that was nice. Um, when I asked you last week to close off the show, your thoughts uh, on the event coming up with Yara Rodriguez taking on BJ Penn, um, I, I won't repeat your quote, but uh, you basically said, I don't give a bleep. Um, the show now has come and gone. Uh, and, and for the whole week this week and even afterwards, I've, I've kind of had this disdain and this bad taste in my mouth about you know, the, the UFC allowing BJ Penn to compete. He should never have been allowed back into that cage or that octagon, especially against a guy like Yaya Rodriguez. I get it if it was against Dennis Seaver or Cole Miller, who was originally supposed to fight. But I, but when I, Ricardo Lamas, that didn't go through. And then Yaya Rodriguez, the proof was in the pudding. We saw what happened there on Sunday night. Um, it's tough. And I told you why I didn't want to watch that fight. Um, and it's exactly what happened. Um. Is there a spot in MMA for, for BJ? I think Chael Sean and I thought saw something on him saying there is a, a spot, but do we all want to watch legends fight legends? Maybe there's a spot like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I call it the Bellator play right now where we take, you know, X high level guys and compete them against each other. And at the end of the day, these people, you know, there are people that want to see these fights, but this reminded me of a Matt Hughes versus Hoist Gracie where Hoist wasn't in his prime, Matt was coming, you know, in his prime, or, you know, in his prime, where it was a mismatch as well. And I don't want to see that happen to anybody. It's, it's, at some point, do you, do you look at the situation where it's like people around BJ Penn, whether it's his family, whether it's his coaches, because uh, at this point you cannot trust BJ Penn. And I'll tell you why. Um, after his, his draw with John Fitch, um, he decided to continue at 170. He took on Nick Diaz. After the Nick Diaz fight, he specifically in the post-fight interview with Joe Rogan said, I'm done. I can't. He just had a little girl, just had a child. He was a new dad. Uh, and you and I both know what it's like once you become a dad. The game changes. Life changes. And he says, I can't go home looking like this. Uh, I can't have my daughter looking at me like this anymore. We thought he was done then. Instead, he returns and he goes after Rory McDonald. Well, that was bad news. Rory McDonald put a beating on him. Uh, so he decides, you know what? As opposed to fighting at 170, I'm going to drop. The, that whole fight with Rory McDonald was to try and get back to George St. Pierre. You beat Rory McDonald. Uh, he thought he would get George St. Pierre. That failed. He then goes down to a 145 and takes on Frankie Edgar and then shows up in that stance. It's just constant error after error after error with BJ Penn. And then he decides to come back. He wants to go for a title shot or a title at 145. He takes on one of the, the, the young Lions in the division. And gets destroyed. At some point, do we have to look at, because BJ Penn will fight until whenever. He'll never quit, right? It's his people. Do we have to look at his people around him, his coaches, the, the sanctioning bodies, the regulators, the commissions? Because I'm not going to blame the UFC right now. I'm not sorry. I'm not going to trust the UFC because the whole reason why he was in that fight, Sean, and, and Sean Ross Sapp made a good point, was for ratings. He, he drove up those ratings. 100%. It's, it's, BJ is never going to want, and I, I fully understand this, and I was never at BJ's level, so I, you know, I understand that as well, but a fighter will always want to fight. And the hardest part about me staying within the sport after I was sort of, I knew I was done, was I always would, I would be in training, and I'd be competitive and be like, no, I still got it. I can do this more. And it made me want to go out and fight again. So that's why I had to take an official break, where I'm like, I need to be out of the gym, not training, not coaching. And the ego is people don't teach us how to retire. And that's difficult for a lot of people. I know BJ Penn's not fighting for the money from what I've been told. And I might be completely wrong, but he's in a good spot financially, his family. Um, he's fighting because 
part of its ego. It's what he's known for. BJ Penn is a legendary fighter. Um, so he is known like his, his identity in life um, to a lot of people and maybe even to himself is I'm BJ Penn, the fighter. So it's always going to be him. It's always going to be a part of him. It's his friends, family, anybody who can influence him should be the ones trying to say, listen, we have, you have more important things in life. You've got your kids, you've got everything else. Your legacy is never going away. And I think that's the one fear that I always had. You know, for me, it was my, I always felt like I was a trailblazer for Canadian mixed martial arts. And I felt at one point that I was sort of, you know, I was being forgotten. And at the end of the day, we all get forgotten. And I've, I've grown past that. It's not a big deal. But for a while, I'm like, why am I not, you know, I remember, I think the Fight Network did a, you know, a, an episode on the Canadian roots of mixed martial arts. And I don't think I was even mentioned in the thing. And I was hurt at first. And then I realized, I'm like, it's irrelevant. You know what I mean? I my spot to me and my teammates is, you know, I have my own legacy and it's BJ Penn's legacy is very well protected and it's always going to be there. My fondest memory of BJ is still the, the highlight where he comes running out knee to the head, runs right back out of the octagon. Like he was a killer. And as much as I say, like he didn't belong in that octagon, this and that to me, I, my best memories are still like, I know what BJ Penn was capable of. I remember BJ Penn with that sort of Uma Plata arm bar, as he was getting picked up, he was the first one to sort of be pulling his legs over with that flexibility back in his early UFC days. Like he was a trailblazer and he won't be forgotten. He can stay in the fight game. I think he's got a UFC gym uh, out in Hawaii and he can, I know the, the ability and, and, and the desire to fight uh, will always be in him. And that, that's a Hawaiian thing. It's, a, it's, it's actually a world thing, but it's, it's in Hawaii specifically. You got nowhere to go. You're going to get found. Right, uh, it's not like you just keep driving east like we can, or we can keep driving west. There, it's it's an island. Uh, if you ever read his book, uh, it is called uh, BJ Penn: Why I Fight. Um, it's actually one of my favorite books. Um, he explains what it was like growing up uh, in Hilo and what it was like growing up uh, in and around the island like that. Uh, it, it's in their sec. It's in their. It's in their blood. It's in their DNA. They they love to fight. They have to fight, and especially if you're a small guy, too bad. If you, you 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 know if there's a big Polynesian in front of you, you better deal with it. So it's in him, but he can also continue that, in my opinion. And like you mentioned, further that perhaps from a coaching perspective, build a a team pen, perhaps. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying, but I've also been there, and I, I was coaching and doing things like that, and. The competitive edge in all of us, because you, you train with your students, you, you start to go. I, I do find it difficult, um, especially he's, I think he's 39 now, if I'm not mistaken. He's still got years left if he wants it, but he wouldn't have years left at the level he was at. And that's very difficult, right? When he was competing at such a high level, a world-class world champion, I don't think that's in him anymore, but it's difficult to just want to be a trainer. I think part, part of him is he's a fighter. He's not necessarily a coach. He can coach. He could be a great coach, but he is a fighter. Like you just said, it's in his blood. So it's very difficult to separate the two. Yaya Rodriguez at number 10 in the UFC rankings as of today. Um, what do you, like, who do you want to see him fight next? Because we were talking about it earlier this week where Ricardo Lamas and Cub Swanson are pretty good options. We know Jeremy Stevens is coming off a loss to Frankie Edgar and Frankie Edgar is probably going to stay up there uh, either, you know, sit off to the side, taking off Max Holloway and or you won't get Jose Aldo Jr. But in terms of Yaya Rodriguez, I would like to see him take on a guy like Ricardo Lamas or Cub Swanson. Um, your thoughts on, on potentially what be next for this young guy? It, it depends on what route we want to go here. If they've got right now contenders, 
that title shot, then let's bring him up a little bit slower. Um, it's hard. You, how do you go from BJ Penn to anybody other than one of those top guys, right? That That's the problem, the predicament he's in right now. It might not be a problem because he might run through everybody. Who knows? But that that's where we're gotten, we've gotten to. He fought BJ Penn. You fought a, a two-weight class world champion. Where do you go from here? You've got nothing but top, you know, five, six, seven guys to fight. Um, but now you're putting yourself in the lion's end. So if he has a setback right now, you know what I mean? He slowed down his progress. So again, I think those are great fights. I think Cub Swanson, someone I always love to fight or love to fight, love to watch fight. So I think that's an interesting matchup for me. And he looks huge at that weight class, but maybe that's just because BJ didn't look that big. I don't know, but he, I thought out there, he looked like great shape, big guy. I think he's going to give a lot of problems to everybody in that weight class. Yeah, at 24 years old, too. So we got to think about that. Um, the Coleman event saw Joe Lozon take on Marcin Held. Uh, it was a belt that I was actually expecting a lot more from. Um, but it ended up being a split decision for Joe Lozon. Yet these scorecards, in my opinion, were all incorrect. 30-27 for Marcin Held. Clearly, I believe he lost that first round. And then two, two cards, 29-28 for Joe Lozon. Maybe you can make the argument that those two 29-28s were correct, but in my opinion, it was 29-28 for Marcin Held, who lost the first round, but then rounds one, rounds two, and three. Um, and then in the post-fight interview, Joe Lozon basically says, no, 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 I, don't, I disagree with this. I didn't win this fight. And then continues afterwards and tells Sean Shelby, uh, uh, please don't cut this guy. This guy deserves to be in the UFC. I mean, what an absolute crazy scenario and almost debacle uh, in that fight. Well, we talked about this last week. Judges are morons. They, I don't even know if they watch fights. Um, if, they're, if they're boxing fans, if they do this purposely just to make the UFC look bad, like it's – and again, I don't think it was a, a, that blatant again, but going 30-27 one way and then having 29-28, you just you realize somebody's lost their mind, right? It's, it is what it is. You can never – I don't know. It's judging. Judging in this sport's got to be fixed. Um, I don't know how to do it other than to say we bring our judges with us. You know, you've got a set of, you know, 20 judges that you've certified, and the UFC flies them around. Same judges, you know. I don't I know. That's, that's a fantastic idea. Sorry, what was that? I think it's a fantastic idea. I could see oh, the UFC's got a budget. I'm sure they can afford it. Oh, they can afford it. I just didn't know based on the different commissions if that would be something that's even, you know, allowed because everybody wants their hand in the, you know, the piggy bank, right? That's true. Yeah. I mean, you could be certified in the, in the, in the major commissions like Jersey, Vegas, and, or Jersey, Nevada, and, um, and California. But does it mean somebody in uh, Kentucky or Texas or not certified under us? Yeah, every, everybody wants, to, wants a payday. They, they see that the UFC is pulling in big money and everybody's getting paid but the fighters. So, you know, let's all stick our hands in to see what we can get. Uh, speaking of fighters that aren't getting paid, before I, I'll, I'll move off the UFC Phoenix card for one moment. Uh, Mark Hunt's not a happy camper. He's saying the UFC is basically forcing his hand to compete at UFC 209. He doesn't want to compete for them anymore. He wants to be released. They're obviously not going to release him. He's going to have to fight out the rest of his contract. Um, he's a bitter guy right now, and p- some people are calling him a crybaby based on what happened with the whole Brock Lesnar thing. He, he didn't care. Then he cares. Too bad, not so bad. I mean, this whole Mark Hunt thing, uh, do you think simply – I mean, even in his next fight, this UFC 209 fight, I'm not saying he's going to go in there and not really give a rat's ass about competing, but I get that feeling. It's like, you know what, just I'll fight for a bit, lose, and then just I'll knock that fight off my contract until I get to the very end and I can just leave. I, I don't know. I, I agree with him. I, I think this is bullshit. Like, 
at the end of the day, they knew Lesnar was going to test positive. Anybody who didn't know is half retarded. Um, who's he? Who's the guy next? Like who? Who's who's on his resume? And how many guys have tested positive? Because I know it's a, there's a list of guys that have tested at one point in their career are not positive for for juice. So I, I understand where he's coming from. And again, I, I said this before. There's a lawsuit coming down that it's going to happen when Mark Hunt comes down with um, what? What are they? Sorry, what's the what do they call it when um, PST, the post-concussion stuff? Oh, post-traumatic stress disorder? Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's knock on wood, doesn't happen. But, you know, Mark had gets us some 10 years. What do you think is yeah. going to happen now? It's proven fact that after one of his fights, that person tested positive, and it even looks very suspicious that the UFC knew this was going to happen by um, forgiving the, the pre-six month or whatever the, the drug testing policy was. They knew there was a good chance that, he was going to test positive. So that's number one. I think two or three of the other guys that he's fought have tested positive. Who's the, who's the 209 fight again? Uh, I was going to say Fabrizio, but it's not. I'll get it for you in two seconds here. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Every time I think of UFC 209, I believe the, uh, the Diaz brothers should be competing on this card, but that's another story altogether. Um, Alistair Overeem. Oh, <laughs> shocker. There's another one. They, if I'm Mark Hunt, I'm like, oh, that's a little bit suspicious. So now I'm facing another guy who's been banned and tested positive before and blew up from a 204 to a – I'm cutting weight to 275 in a matter of three years. Like, I mean, it's – at the end of the day, this is about money. This isn't about fairness in sport. The UFC wasn't about let's drug test. The UFC is drug testing because they feel they had to. You I mean, it, it, to legitimize this as a sport, there had to be drug testing involved. All of the drug testing is done. And again, they've done their part now to try and clean up. But what they did this for was to, to sort of get in front of a bigger problem. Right? Because, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm with Mark Hunt on this one. I think there's a big problem here, and they're skirting the issues. You know, like, even with the, when the, what do you call it, the TUEs were allowed. Yeah, yeah. Um, they knew exactly what was going on here. People that are elite athletes never had a problem. are all on TUEs. You're like, come on. Like, so when, when you competed, uh, did you get a sense that, hey, what the heck's going on here? This is not making sense to me. Like, I'm clean and I'm fighting guys that don't look right, that don't seem right, or guys are, you know, they're, they're training and they're recovering way quicker than I am. Did you get a sense like, wait a second, there's, there's a lot more of this going on than, than actually uh, you thought of? Or was it just, you know, it is what it is? To me, again, because my goal was to make the UFC. I Mine wasn't a career goal to be, um, you know, I, obviously if I had been rich from the UFC, by, by all means, you know, I would have taken it. But I didn't feel like that was, I was just there to, a dream come true for me. I want to make it as a professional athlete and as a professional fighter. I want to see if I can compete on this level. I knew that my time in the spotlight was short. So I got there. I, I did the best I could and I got out. I knew people were doing what they were doing. And I'm not going to say anybody that I fought did because I think they all tested clean. Riddle might have been on a little weed, which is cool. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I accepted that risk by signing the dotted line because I knew at that time the sport was not clean. And I, I would say the majority of us knew that. You know, some people can deny it, but we all knew. I knew when, back in the IFC days. I remember, I won't say his name because it's not fair, but one of the fighters came up to me afterwards and it was obvious but he's like, I think I got off my cycle too early. And at that point, I think I was 20 years old. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, I stopped taking my stuff too early. And I was like, wow. Well, you just don't have a clue, but you just don't know how to fight. That's what the real issue is here. Like, 
But I mean, so I, I knew what I was getting into. And if we look back in the day, like, you know, Hoist Gracie, we didn't think took steroids. He tested positive for steroids. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is what it is. And, but I just feel like now that they've tried to clean up the sport, but they're not truly trying to clean it up because they're letting people get away with things. And even when people test positive, I believe it's in California. Like, again, I'm not trying to call people up, but Jake Shields tested positive for something. I don't think it ever came out what he tested positive for. So everybody's like, oh, it's, it's weed because he's with the Diaz brothers. I'm like, I don't know. There's a good chance that was steroids. But again, I, I don't know. I'm just saying certain places would release exactly what they tested positive for and other places wouldn't. But I'm sure the UFC, if they really wanted to, they could out everybody. And they should. I mean, this is what was tested positive for. Let us all know. Even when I feel like when some of these guys test positive and it's like, oh, well, it's you know, it's an estrogen blocker. Well, why is he on an estrogen blocker? Because usually if you're on an estrogen blocker, you're on a steroid. Yeah, you know, you're hiding it. So, oh, but he's doing this because he's coming off a, you know, cyborg or weight Everybody's got an excuse. That's why there was actually an article written the other day about uh, the guy in Bellator. Mike Richmond. Yeah. yeah, that's the positive. He's like, yeah, I cheated. It is what it is. Chael did that after he got caught for 30 things. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, well, Chael was on a bit of a, uh, why don't we just call it a nice little cocktail? Yeah, but I think the majority of these guys are, and the truth is it's the, I, again, I, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not actually saying these guys are on it, but it's the people that are making the good money that have the best chance of getting away with this stuff, right? They're the ones who have doctors. Do you know what I mean? The, the guys, the entry-level guys, and the mid-level guys, most of us aren't making enough money to have a team, maybe if they were a, a big team, but they don't have doctors. Most of these guys are funny. It's so funny you say that because George told me the same thing. He's like, do you remember when I told you it's not just the best fighter that wins, it's the best fighter that night? He's like, nowadays, it's the guy with the best doctor. And I was like, "Uh, okay, camera's on. We just got that on record. Okay, cool. So you're right. But And I'm not going to say that guy always wins either because the truth of the matter is just because you're on something doesn't mean you're going to beat me. That, that's the way I looked at it. I'm like, this, this is a, a much of a mind game as anything else. It does give you some advantages in certain areas. But at the end of the day, it comes down to two people competing. And as dumb as this sounds, because it, it's not the fact, but I always remember, you know, I remember my, you know, IFC days where, you know, I remember Ken Shamrock asking me in the dressing room, are you going to warm up? And I was nervous and I was joking, half joking around. I'm like, can't warm up in a bar. Why would I warm up here? And I remember him just howling at that joke. You know what I mean? It's true. Never mind. Yeah, you're right. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I can't control again. Cause fighting when we started was about defending yourself in those situations. Right? Like I know that everything sort of changed. It's now really a sport, but back then it was like, whether you're on steroids or not, if you attack me in a bar, I have to defend myself and, and do this. And that's how I looked at it when I was a young kid, things have changed a lot, but so I didn't care as much. It was like, you can be on what you want. At the end of the day, I still feel like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you. And I think that's also the mentality of every fighter in there is we can beat anybody. Unfortunately, uh, one of our boys, Dave Schaller, who used to be with the UC is now with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he might be sending off a tweet or might be listening into this very podcast, laughing at us because the 76ers are up 88 to 86 on our beloved Toronto Raptors with 33 seconds left in the game. I'm not a happy camper. I'm, I'm you're a Raptors fan, correct? I'm a Toronto fan of all sports. I'm definitely a Raptors fan, more of a, a Leafs fan as much as, you know, I'll look the other way right now, but we're doing fine this season. So far, so so far, so good. It's going to take some time. You think, uh, I mean, they're in the playoffs as we speak, but I, I could care less if they make the playoffs this year. Uh, let's talk about not even next year, but the year after. 
I, I think we're on the right trajectory right now. I think we're doing a lot of things right. Well, the coach is Bob Cox doing a lot of things right. He's letting our rookies um, fight through some hard hard situations, and a lot of them are stepping up to the plate. Matthews is unbelievable talent. Oh, um, so sick. Marner's an unbelievable talent. Rams, uh, Van Riemsdyk has stepped up. Riley is amazing. I'm hoping he's not uh, too injured. I don't know what the report was today. Um, Kadri. Lower body. Yeah. Kadri is, is playing. There's a, a lot of guys on the team that are, are just playing very well right now. And you know what I mean? Hey, I hope for the best. I'll say we'll win a Stanley Cup next year, but I'm lying to myself again. But it, it's on its way. It's coming. Yeah, it'll take time. At least uh, people laughed uh, at the uh, the, for- the misfortunes of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Maple Leafs sports fans uh, since 1967. But the reality is, this is the first time they've blown it up and they're rebuilding it properly, not just drafting and losing and drafting and losing. So good on them. Uh, I want to close off this UFC on Phoenix card with the opening bout. Sergio Pettis taking on John Moraga. Uh, Sergio Pettis looks uh, pretty damn good uh, at this weight class and considering his age, and I'm not saying he's, well, I would be surprised uh, if he's a win or two away from a title shot only because that division, Demetrius has already fought everybody, including John Moraga. Uh, I thought for sure that, that Sergio in that first round, when he dropped Moraga, he would go in there and, and basically clean house in the second round. He didn't, and kudos to Moraga for lasting the full 15 minutes um, are you surprised that, that he, he didn't go in the finish or the fact that he, didn't, he wasn't looking at it as it presented itself or is it just, listen, a fight's a fight, sometimes it goes 15 minutes? The, the funny thing in this one is it doesn't matter because Dimitri is so much better than everybody in this weight class. I don't care what these kids do. And again, I'm not trying to diminish what he's done because Sergio's doing, he's doing a great job. Um, I thought he probably could have pushed to finish that fight, but I've been in that situation where – I look back and I'm like, I definitely should have finished that fight. And I took my foot off the gas pedal because, okay, I've got to pace myself and this and that. So you never know what's going through a guy's head there. You know what I mean? So, but I thought he definitely could have pushed to finish. But at the end of the day, none of these guys are ready for Demetrius. It's, he's shoulders, head and shoulders above the rest of the, the pack right now. I, I don't think it would even be a fair fight if he had a title shot anytime soon. Yeah, it's, I don't think he's at the level. I mean, Demetrius Johnson is just, I mean, if, if there's ever a perfect mixed martial artist right now, uh, it is Demetrius Johnson. Two things, or basically three things that occurred uh, on the prelim card. Devin Powell was a guy handpicked by UC President Dana White with um, the show that he has there. I forgot what it's called. Oh, uh, uh, Looking for a Fight. Uh, he takes on a guy named Dracar Close, and Dracar Close beats him. Uh, so I guess it sort of, sort of shows that uh, UC President Dana White shouldn't be recruiting or scouting talent. He should leave that to Sean Shelby uh, and the rest of the team. Uh, Augusto Mendez, who's a world champion jiu-jitsu. I want to ask you this. He's a world champion jiu-jitsu fighter. Uh, he does defeat Frankie Sines, but there's a point in the fight, or maybe two points, two times in the fight, where Frankie Sines is now trying to take down Augusto Mendez, and Mendez has been trying to take him down uh, for such a long time, and now it's Frankie Sines trying to take down the jiu-jitsu champion, and Augusto Mendez, the champ, is defending the takedown. In my opinion, Sean, if you're a world champion, you want this fight down on the ground, why are you defending the takedown? Because it's two separate sports. Like, at the end of the day, I know there's guys that are better than me at pure jiu-jitsu, but in a mixed martial arts fight, I, I'd love to be on top. You know what I mean? Because it's, I don't have to play by the same rules. Um, I don't have to engage. I can throw pot shots. I can win time on the clock. I, I've got riding time. So there's a lot of things that, you know, it's an advantage to be on top, even if the guy's better than you. You know what I mean? If I don't have to engage and there is a time limit, it's not like an open limit as in some of these jiu-jitsu matches where 
you know, you're down on the ground for six minutes. You're going to be down on the ground doing nothing for, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds if you're stalling, stand back up. But I still got the points for the riding time. I got the points potentially for the takedown. Um, and also gas plays a huge factor in these things. You know, your jiu-jitsu is great when you've just been doing jiu-jitsu. But when you do the everything, the wrestling, the stand-up, you know, when your gas tank gets deflated, your skills diminish. And we all have seen, we've seen that a million times with everybody. So maybe at that point, he just felt like this is a good time to take him down. And I think, you know, you know, on, on top right now, I'll be successful. And I felt the same way. I felt like I could have taken down a lot of guys in my fights, but I was worried about my gas tank because wrestling plays a huge role on uh, your anaerobic system, right? So, Listen, I'm not going to argue with you. Makes perfect sense. I got it. Uh, during the broadcast, they announced the Ultimate Fighter Redemption. Uh, debuts April 19th. Coaches Cody Garbrandt. He is the newly minted uh, Bantamweight champion, taking that belt away from Dominic Cruz. The man before Dominic Cruz, uh, who was the champ at the time, was um, a certain TJ Dillashaw, who obviously Team Alphamil are calling a snake, or at least Cody Garbrandt's calling a snake. These two guys will be the coaches. Ties up the belt, but they're eventually going to fight. They haven't announced when these two are going to fight, but it's going to be a cast on this Ultimate fighter uh, a former tough winners uh one active ufc fighter we're hearing it's james kraus uh they've, they've there's a list that was sort of leaked out but no one knows if it's the actual true list but former guys like jesse taylor that have won the show or been on the show uh, uh judy browning's one guy that's named uh, to be returning onto the show what do you make of this uh, announcement are you pissed off that this belt that this fight that we've been looking forward to to taking place is not going to be on hold for so long yeah, I think it's a shame there. I don't know if there's other reasoning for it, but once again, the UFC realizes they can make money off this show because it's the only reason this show exists because we all know it's a facade. Like most of the fighters that come out of this were either handpicked or garbage, anyways. Like the fact that Junie Browning is coming back, I don't know what he's done since, but he was a clown when he was on that show. So he's there for TV ratings. Um, didn't he throw a bottle at a guy's head or something stupid? Yeah, I think he won a fight a couple of months ago, but he hadn't competed since that show. He got into real bad depression, but uh, apparently got his act together. But he's going to be back on the show, trapped in that fishbowl for six weeks. We'll see. I, I don't know. There's been things that happened in that show where, you know, because I, I applied to be on that show a long time ago, but I think it's good that I wasn't because there's a couple things that have happened there. And I, guess, I think they pick and choose who they do things to, but I would have knifed somebody. No, oh, Jesus. no, they've done some stupid things. If someone try, throws a bottle at your head and you don't hit them back, you're you're a better man than me. I mean, because I remember when he threw that bottle, that guy did nothing. He's like, oh, he's getting kicked out, and he didn't even get kicked out of the house because this is back when I used to watch the show. I I would have bottled you, like I would have taken that bottle right back and cracked it over the side of your head. There was another time where they did some stupid things in, into the people's food. I don't know if they urinated in the orange juice or something stupid. But, yeah, I would have slit your throat on things like that. That's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? Because now this is on national TV that I'm, you know, drinking your urine. Like, I don't I don't know. It, it was just – they let that show go a little bit too far left. You know what I mean? That should have been under control. Like, I know as a mixed martial arts fan, I lost interest because of that. You know, I know that's the drama in the house, but I'm there to see the training and the, and the, and the fighting. And a little bit of drama here and there, but they just let it get way out of hand. Also announced on the show or during the UFC Phoenix broadcast, UFC 210 in Buffalo, uh, a.k.a. could be a road trip. Uh, I would love to go out there and cover that event, but we'll see who's going to be on that card. That goes down April 9th. The last time they were there, I believe, was 1995 uh, with the aforementioned Ken Shamrock that you mentioned taking on Oleg Toktarov. Uh No boats have been announced as of yet, but 
I kind of like that Buffalo show, that Buffalo market, because it's not going to just pull uh, from, from the surrounding areas of Buffalo. I mean, we're talking about the Niagara region, which is close to us, and obviously the whole, um, I don't know about Windsor, but perhaps the London region, Hamilton, uh, there's, there's a big population that even the Tor- people from Toronto, I mean, we're, we're pretty close to Toronto. We'll drive out there. No, it's a, I think it's a good location. Um, I think that's one of those locations where you're going to get some, you know, shady crowds too. Like, oh, you, yes, like a Bills game. Yeah, you know what I mean? You've, you've got an interesting mix of people in those stands. So there might be some, you know, some good footage from outside the octagon in, in those fights. So, you know, I've seen it, you know, I've been to enough shows where I've seen some things. I remember in one of the Toronto cards, um, one of the, the card I fought on, I think that I fought um, Lance Benoist, I remember there apparently it was a huge brawl where a guy got taken out and, you know, ambulance came. I'm like, I don't really know what happened, but it was a good story. Anyways, everybody was telling me there was, oh, people were killing each other. And I'm like, oh. Oops. Yeah, good times. Well, there was one fight that broke out, and I think it was at the Rogers Center where I, a, a fight had broken up, maybe in the 500 section. For those who don't know, the way the Rogers Center works, the big bowl, the top, the, 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 you know, it was 50, 55,000 people that were there, but in the very upper portion of the bowl, it's called the 500s. And some dudes were sitting there, I guess, getting into a fight, and they were recording it on their phones or whatever. And the guy was yelling, UFC, UFC. And I was like, Oh God, this is, and it, it somehow made it onto the news. I think our local area, uh, it made it onto the news and I'm like, this just makes everything look bad about the UFC and about mixed martial arts, Sean. Come on. I've seen it at Blue Jay games, at least yes. it, it happens everywhere. You know, if people want to paint a bad picture or something, they're going to do it. It doesn't, we don't need, it, it's going to happen no matter what. And I mentioned the Bills games. I've been to a few Bills games where I'm like, by the time that, not even the fourth quarter, like the end, like t- middle of the third quarter, it's like, oh boy, I, we got to watch. Oh boys, this is going to be fun. Make sure. You, I mean, if you have kids, not a good idea. But if you're with the boys, you're like, ah, you know, I'm going to survive this. I'll some way somehow I'll get back to the bus. I'm going to be fine. But yeah, that that gets in the bathrooms alone. The fights that begin in there. Yeah, it's true. It, it just stepping back a little bit to like mix more like. What drives me up the wall is when something happens and somebody says, oh, and someone was assaulted by mixed martial artists. I'm like, on Wednesday, doesn't call, you know, he's not a mixed martial artist. You had, you know, one amateur fight, which was a house show, but yet you're a, you know, uprising potential pro fighter and things like that. I'm always like, anytime they can put it in there for any kind of an assault, it goes in there. And I'm like, come on. Wasn't Antonio Carvalho who had the greatest Twitter or it was the avatar or whatever. He goes, I train UFC. Like, oh, just, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Not. I call it to Tony. Really? Like, come on. He's like, I train UFC. I fought in the UFC. I fought in the I'm, – I'm a UFC fighter. I think he even spelled train. I, T-R-A-N-E. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a mess. Um, moving on. Uh, Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks finally, in my opinion, finally uh, will be moving up to 185 pounds because clearly, uh, despite being um, you know a, a decorated wrestler back in the day, he's just he can't make 170 anymore, let alone 171. Um, are you? I'm not going to say you're surprised about this, but about time he's he's taking on Hector Lombard uh, at the Halifax show actually in Canada. I think it's February uh, 19th. Uh, surprising or not? Yes and no. To be honest with you, he should be able to make 170 just fine. And I just base that on his frame. I know he's a big guy and he gets heavy, but it's not like I see him at 170 and he's a shredded monster. I mean, if he really wanted to make it, 
he can make it. Now, if he wants to make those, those, you know, that discipline and make those sacrifices to make it, that's a different story, but he's made it before. And I believe he can make it again. Um, but sure, let's fight at 185. And I think he'll be fine there as well. He might even find a, a rejuvenated self. Like, you know, some people, and I'm one of them, it's, it's harder for me to stay lean than some other people, right? It doesn't mean I'm not in shape. It's just tougher to stay lean. And he's probably one of those guys. He's naturally, you know, more of an endomorph. Um, so staying lean is, is, and the hard part is for the people don't understand sometimes is when you diet that hard for that long of a period of time, it takes away from your training sometimes, right? Because you're so focused on calories and diet. What you really should be focusing on is your fight game. So that's probably where his problem lied. He knows how to get to 170, but the amount of energy it takes to spend on the diet and do the right things and make the right sacrifices might be taking away from his actual training. Um, and then, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, some people don't have to go for that extra run in the morning, you know, the, the long, slow run that's meant to for weight control because they don't need the, they don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? They can focus on just the high energy sprints and stuff like that. So, Again, back to your question, I'm not surprised, but I also, if he gets murked, I won't be surprised if he wants to have 170 another go at it. Understood. Um, Lombard's the same way. He fought at 170 as well. Now, he's very lean. So I understand a little bit more from Hector Lombard saying, I don't want to go back down to 170. But yet he's five foot one, so you know, I don't know. Why do you think shots at a short guy's for? Well, it's not even that. Hasn't he tested positive before as well? Apparently, yep. Okay, and that's like, you know, Elvis. There's another one for me. You know, I remember people used to talk about how big he was. I remember when I first met this guy, I'm like, this guy's five foot two. You know what I mean? I'm like, how do you have a hard time making 170? And then he, you know, I know he didn't make 155, but now he's going to 55. Isn't that a, a red flag to what were you on? I mean, no one's calling it up. Well, I'm sure some people are calling it up, but I don't see it in the media. I'm like, guys, these weight class changes and things like that aren't because of, the, the lack of IV it's because testing got a little stricter. People don't know how to beat the test and they're like, Oh, I'm not going to be quite as big. I'm going to have to drop a weight class. It is what it is. Uh, speaking of guys that got himself in trouble uh, because of earlier on, when I mentioned cocktail, we mentioned Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen is fighting Tito Ortiz uh, on Saturday night. Uh, I'll be uh, hopefully doing Titan FC on Saturday night and hopefully you'll be watching that instead, but uh, you'll be at home. Uh, and if you don't have access to UFC Fight Pass, you won't be able to see Titan FC. Well, Bellator might be around. I, I don't have access to that because once I retired, they took my Fight Pass away. I don't know. UFC, like, hooked me up, but I don't know. They used to give all the UFC, all the contracted fighters, we had access to Fight Pass. And they took it away. They took it away when I retired. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> wow, no reason. Just because, hey, you're not on our roster anymore, you're they, done. They didn't even tell me. They just, they just took it away, and I even asked for it back, and I didn't get it. I don't know. Like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Yeah, there was a, there were a few of us that were quote unquote broadcast partners uh, that had fight pass as well. Uh, I'll just say that I'm paying every month now. Uh, it comes up on my visa every month. Uh, need it. Got to watch it. Got to see some of the fights. Uh, but Chael Sun has taken on Tito Ortiz, two guys that competed in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Um, they all fighting for Bellator. You going to watch that fight? Of course not. Don't care about it at all? Like, not even intrigued remotely? Yeah, I'll check the, the online to see what happened. And then if I can record, I'll watch it a couple of days later. But that's definitely not a priority on a Saturday night when I potentially am going to be, you know, getting busy with the wife. Like, that's not going <laughs> to 
<laughs> priorities. Pri- yeah, priorities. Like, I'm not, I'm not, exactly. The, the Leafs are playing. I can't, you know, stay up that late and think my wife, oh, honey, okay, the fights are over. <laughs> Again, if it's a big UFC night, she understands. That, she's like, isn't that that old guy? I'm like, yeah, it's the old guy. Wow, interesting. Okay. Um, Nurmagomedov versus Ferguson is finally, finally signed. It'll be an interim lightweight title fight. Real title. Uh, yeah. Champion of that weight class. Like that to me, that, that, that's a fight. That's a fight that I'll see. I'll prioritize. My wife will get the move over. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're going to get killed. You see. I won't get killed. My wife knows. She knows she's the one and only, but I'm saying this is a real fight. This is one of those fights that everybody should look forward to, especially as a fight fan. I'm like, I want to see this fight. Um, I think that's a true, right now, true champion of that weight class is out of that fight. And, and again, I'm not downing Connor. He's the man. But that is, a, you know, the logical choice who should have been fighting for a title are those two guys right there. Um, maybe Connor beats them both. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't have thought Connor was at that level quite yet. And I think that, you know, at least Nurmagomedov, Norm- I can't pronounce his name, is a nightmare for Connor. Until Connor proves me wrong, which he's done a couple times in the past, that, that fight to me, he's. He's someone that people don't want to fight. Do we as Canadians have uh, Don Cherry syndrome? People don't know who Don Cherry is. He's a ba- he's basically a, um, I guess you could say almost a, a a legend in the world of hockey. Saturday nights he gets his three minutes of fame. He's been doing it for thirty years, but the one thing that he's always known for is mispronouncing names. Uh, I happen to be one of the kings of mispronouncing names. Sometimes I do the broadcasts for Ryzen. Uh, if I'm getting a Japanese name wrong, I'm getting a German name wrong. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, but even sometimes talking about, you know, like Nurmagomedov, uh, there's, I, I once called Dennis Seaver, Dennis Siver. Ooh, did I hear about it from the fans? And this was on UFC central. Is this something us Canadians just, yeah, whatever, man, we're doing the best we can, but if we can't pronounce it. No big deal. I can't even spell the name, buddy. Like I'm going to pronounce that. It's like French names. I get those wrong all the time, too, and they're Canadian. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. At least I'm talking about you. At least I'm thinking about you. I don't mean any disrespect. I just I can't pronounce your name. My name's Pearson, and people say it wrong. They see it, and they say Pearson. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many times I've heard Sean, S-E-A-N, pronounced wrong? I don't say anything. I'm like, seen. I'm like, yeah, it's me right here. Yeah, I see me. <laughs> like, That's just terrible. It is, it is what it is, but it happens. Okay, uh, speaking of it is what it is, if you and I were sitting at uh, Boston Pizza in town... I a lot more attention than you because I'm better looking. Next question. That's obviously subjective, debatable. By who? Uh, by your mom? Society. <laughs> by your society mom. Society in general. Um, all right, listen, we're sitting at Boston Pizza three years ago, hypothetically, and I told you Shogun Hua would one day fight a guy named OSP and Anderson Silva would fight a guy one day called Derek Brunson. Would you be just like, Joe, you are an idiot, even though you say it anyways, but are you kidding me? Like, Anderson Silva is now fighting Derek Brunson. To me, it's like Shogun fights OSP. Shogun's fighting all these different guys now. Silva was one of the, is the greatest of all time, pretty much. The GOAT taking on Derek Brunson. Take nothing away from these guys. But it's like, what? Like, how the mighty have fallen. Well, steroid testing came in, so it tested positive, so his legacy's gone. Um, I'm half – I still have him as my GOAT, but I, I question myself, how long was he on steroids for? It's definitely – as much as people say it was for one fight or for all fights, it, it's a question that's always going to be in my head. 
Shogun, I'm not surprised because, to be honest, he has fought anybody and everybody his whole career. He's had ups and downs. So I would I would have been like, okay. Like when he first got to the UFC, didn't Forrest Griffin beat him? Yeah, he submitted him in the final minute, yeah. And I wasn't a huge – again, Forrest Griffin was a very tough individual, but I was never uh, like a – this guy's a world beater. I didn't even think when he won the title, I didn't even think he won that fight. I thought, did he beat Rampage? Yeah. I remember I thought Rampage won that fight. Again, you can go back and argue with me. I don't even know, but I remember watching it live. I'm like, oh, I think Rampage has this. And then when he won, I felt like, well, there's just another, you know, UFC red winner for, you know, what's best for the UFC. I didn't necessarily think he won. Not that there was a conspiracy, but I, I thought it was – it looked shady because he's such a popular fighter at the time, right? Because of everything that he'd done for the UFC. And Silva, I, I don't know for Silva, like I think he's another guy who's holding on too long. I'm not saying he's not going to win this fight. And he still doesn't have a lot to, that he can provide, but for what? Does he need the money? If he needs the money, then I'll step out. I, I don't know. But if you don't need the money, again, once again, your legacy is locked with me and with any true fight fan. I don't know what you've got left to prove here. I don't know He's, why. He, he did say he wants to finish off the final fights in his contract. And that's fine. But so if he loses this fight and he loses this, how many does he have left? Because I remember he signed for a lot. I think, don't These are four left. So you want to fight, let's say you lose the next four. Is that how you want to end your career? Again, this goes back to like my all-time favorite, Roy Jones Jr. I don't know what his record in recent years has been, but it's not good. And I'm like, why are you fighting? Again, when people need the money, I sort I don't understand, but I do. But if you're just fighting because no one is there to tell you you don't need to, that's where I'm I'm hurt by it. I, I've got, you know, family that's was good enough to me to say, No, Sean, you don't need this. Step away. But a lot of people don't have that. They've got too many people. And again, my wife would be like, Sean, you want to fight tomorrow, fight tomorrow. She's my biggest cheerleader. You know, she thinks I'm a superhero. But you can't have all yes men in your corner. You need some yes men because that's why you are who you are, but there needs to be someone to say, listen, yeah, you could do this, but you don't need to. And that's what I think people like that. BJ Penn needed it. Anderson Silva needs it, whether he needs it right now or not. I don't know, but people just have to realize like you can step out of the spotlight now and and just be the great person and the great fighter you were and not compete again. I, I just think it's a scary thought because our sport, when you lose, there's repercussions. Do you know what I mean? And people don't realize it now, but we'll realize it in 10 or 15, 20 years when you took an extra 50 blows to the head. Because I remember I just read a stat about BJ Penn, the most hit fighter in history. And I would never have thought that. But in the last few fights, it's been bad. Right? So it's a scary thought. And again, I hope all the best for BJ. And I hope nothing is, you know, there's no long-term effects. But at one point in me says, I'm naive to think that there won't be something. Well, lock on wood, hopefully yeah. not. Um, before we close off this podcast, anything you want to say to the peeps? No, you guys, you're useless. No, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, so I just, you know, listen. Look at Joe's shirt. Look how pale his skin is. I'm pale because I'm under this damn stupid light here. If I, if you actually see me in public, I'm actually, I'm actually like darker. Like I just don't understand this light. Yeah, he, he still goes to the fake and bake, but he doesn't do the fake and bake anymore. He does the spray tan. It's healthier. Healthier. <laughs> Who are you? Come on, man. He doesn't have a makeup artist right now dabbing his head up. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. All right. Anything else then? No, no. We're good, buddy. We're good. 
All right. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you do uh, follow Sean online at Sean Pearson. Uh, he's all over social media. Obviously, uh, one of the funniest guys I've ever met, a guy that I've respected for a very long time, despite the fact that he's always going to rip me uh, no matter what. You can follow yours truly on social media as well, at Showdown Joe. Tomorrow, uh, as well as Friday, I don't have times for the podcast, and the guests will fluctuate because uh, I believe tomorrow will be a travel day uh, for me. I'll be uh, hopefully doing Titan FC on Saturday. But uh, the minute I know, ladies and gentlemen, I will let you guys know. I'll, I'll put it out there on social media uh, and on fight, FightfulMMA.com. But for now, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have yourselves a wonderful evening. Thanks, guys. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.